Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. We have one of those, whether it's a large or a small miracle, may depend on your perspective, but our dear brother here, Mark Shoreland, uh, pardon me, but not too long ago, he was, he and his and sweetheart Connie were at a wedding and they were dancing away and they thought it was like the, the lasagna or something, but he, he was having some chest issues and he went to one doctor and said, ah, it's no big deal and turns out he had a widow maker. Everything was fine except for one particular artery on his heart that was 99% closed. And he, we could have lost Mark so easily. And um, just <clears throat> by the, you know, as we usually say, I was so lucky I went up. No, we, by the providence, the grace of God, um, our dear brother's with us. And we are so glad. And we rejoice in that. There are all kinds of things of this sort that happen in our lives that um, we may or may not actually acknowledge the grace of God at work within us. But even if we're going to the greatest possible effort, the Lord is never absent. The Lord is always working. And just one more little, little account. So Mo, after a full week of being non-responsive, the doctor went in and, and was trying to get some reaction out of him and was starting to get some response and asked him to say awe. And Mo, being Mo, went, ooh. <laughs> the brother's got a song in his heart. And uh, so please keep Mo in your prayers. Um, He's probably not going to be able to transfer back over on, uh, for another week or so, but uh, let's, let's hold him up in our prayers as he continues, and Margie, as he continues, as they continue in this, this very frightening process of recovery. Our text this morning is understood to be probably the, the clearest text in, in passage in Scripture that fueled the Reformation. And even before Martin Luther, you may or may not have heard of John Huss. Huss was operating about 100 years earlier in Czechoslovakia, and he was arguing the same stuff that Luther was arguing and others who constituted the Reformation. And that is the, the church, and this is not anti-Catholic at all. This is just, as my dad says, if the Catholic Church had listened to the Protestants, we'd all still be Catholics. But, but the church at that time was selling forgiveness of sins. <laughs> selling. I mean, it may have worked. They built St. Peter's Basilica. But uh, selling forgiveness. And so good pastors, theologians were, were speaking out. And John Huss, it turns out, spoke out and they burned him for it. They literally burned him. So Martin Luther comes a hundred years later 
And he just wanted to kind of engage in an academic disputation. And so he, he wrote his 95 theses, he, he emailed them up to the, the archbishop, and then he tacked them on the walls of some churches. And, uh, and everyone came to know about it because of the Gutenberg press, and, and that word got around, and, and everything, they could not unknow what they came to know. And so the Reformation began, and that is what this Sunday is is remembering. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the book of Paul to the church in Ephesus. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, but our very nature, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and knowledge toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can take credit, you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God had his understanding to this hearing of his word. So the Apostle Paul is starting out by saying how lousy we are, how bad we are. And if we were to really settle in on that passage, we would probably affirm that we, we don't think we're that bad. We know some really bad people, but you know, generally speaking, people are not all that bad, so why is Paul being so hard? But he's asserting that we are. We're that bad. And we can identify moments in our own lives when that nature had its way with us. Remember when I was about five years old, I hit Julie Rockstrom. I don't know what it was about, but I do remember Dad said to me, you never hit a girl. Five. I was watching my kids during Christmas time. Said, Don't touch that tree. <laughs> well, you know what the kids do. They go right to the tree. You're afraid they're going to pull it down over them. Then playing basketball my senior year, and the, the tight end was on the other team. 
big guy and he was going to show me. And I was breaking away down the court and going up for a layup and, and he undercut me. Cut, cut me off under my, under my feet. And I said, knock it off. And next time down, he did it again. I said, Pat, cut it out. Third time, he did it again. I came down, and without even thinking, I just turned and wham, just nailed him. Right across the cheek. I still remember hitting him this way so I wouldn't hurt my ankles, or my, uh, my knuckles. And it just popped. Something deep within me, something popped within me. We all know what this is about. We have that propensity within us. We have that within us that can enable us and to do things that we would never dream of doing if we simply sat and thought about what we are capable of. And if we've learned anything from the 20th century, and I've said this many times before, if we've learned anything from the 20th century, it is that people can be enticed into evil. Because we have that nature within us. And so the Apostle Paul says that is how we are. And if we have even a little bit of an awareness of that, if we have a self-consciousness of our own brokenness and our sin and our need, then if the church comes in guilting us, that's effective. <laughs> that works. And that's what the church was doing at the time of Martin Luther. Guilting the people. And they had this promoter, a guy named John Tetzel. And John Tetzel was going around various churches in Germany, but he would send in advance the text of a, of a homily to the priests. And all the priests were to read this. And ordinarily, the churches didn't do homilies just during Advent and Lent. They just did the Mass. But then in October of 1517, one priest at a church in Halle, Germany, got up and preached the homily that he had received from John Tetzel, who was going to be coming into town the next day. And he said, incline your ear. Listen for your ancestors crying out in their suffering in purgatory. Hear their voices. And here you sit with your money in your pockets. Your money can free them from their suffering and purgatory. So in comes Tetzel the next day. Comes in with a big entourage and sets up a big booth and there are, there's all kinds of flags and all kinds of color and everything's waving and he's got this big box on one side and he's got these indulgences on the other side which are certificates that demonstrate that yes, your sins have been forgiven. And he says when Whenever a coin drops into the box with the clinging of every toy, uh, every coin is the springing of a soul from purgatory. People lined up. When they heard that word in the sermon, they were fainting. They were crying. They were feeling horrible. 
and how easy it is for us to feel horrible about ourselves. And that's what, not what church is about. That's just the preliminary word to the real word, which is about your forgiveness. But it's good that we have a good sober sense of ourselves. But one after another, went to John Tetzel, put some money in the box, and he'd take one of those indulgences and stamp it. Off they went. And their ancestors were freed from purgatory. And they perhaps were receiving also some extra forgiveness for their own sins. And the money went to the archbishop, who was trying to be archbishop over two bishoprics, and of course down to Rome where they were building St. Uh, uh, Peter's Basilica. And, and that was how forgiveness happened. They were teaching that the church itself was the means whereby forgiveness was meted out. And that there was no way of, of experiencing salvation apart from the church's sacraments. Or in this case, paying our dues for our sin. Well, too many had read the Bible. Too many of the academics and priests and friars and monks had read passages such as the one we just heard. And Martin Luther was so bothered by all of this that he put out those theses. And hence, the Reformation burst forth with all kinds of arguments and discussions and everything else that go on to this very day. You've probably heard that down in the Amazon, they're right now talking about marrying, allowing married men to be priests in the Amazon. Well, that's one of the things Martin Luther did. Once they threw him out of the church, he got married, <laughs> had kids. And um, as, I, as I say, as repeating the words of my father, if, if they had listened, we'd all be Catholics. We'd all be one church. We'd be different. We'd still have different expressions of the church, but we'd, we'd still be a part of that. Maybe. It might be, might be something else that came along. But the gift of God that has come to us is not something that we can earn or deserve. There is nothing we can do to warrant God's favor. So the apostle here in this passage contrasts our brokenness, our sinfulness, our wantonness with God loving us so much. The contrast is stark. The apostle Paul in Romans says, while we were yet enemies of God, he still loved us. Enemies. So the love of God is this overwhelming reality that is given to us and there is nothing we can do to earn it, deserve it, or somehow make it so that we are more worthy than anyone else of receiving God's grace. And, and the salvation of God comes to God's children comes to all who simply receive it. It's all we have to do. We don't have to do something. It's just to acknowledge it, receive it, accept it. 
C.S. Lewis, in his younger years, was an atheist. But somehow he, he struggled with it, not academically so much, but just in his soul. Something was not right. I'm convinced with the growth of this so-called new atheism that's going on in our culture today, as they face the reality of the emptiness that that, that portends, that there will be people who then come to a place where they're acknowledging the reality that there's a churning in their souls that constitutes their own emptiness. And C.S. Lewis reflects a little bit about what happened in his life. Without words, almost without images, a fact about myself was somehow presented to me. I became aware that I was holding something at bay or shutting something out. Or if you like, that I was wearing some stiff clothing or even a suit of armor as if I were a lobster. I felt myself being given a free choice. I could open the door or keep it shut. I could unbuckle the armor or keep it on. The choice seemed to be momentous, but it was also strangely unemotional. I say I chose, yet I did not really seem, it did not really seem possible even to do the opposite. I felt as if I were a man of snow at long last beginning to melt. The melting was starting in my back, drip, drip, and presently trickle, trickle. I rather disliked the feeling. And so C.S. Lewis, simply because he acknowledged that he felt so closed in, he felt like a man in a shell, that, that God came to him. God's love melted him. And even though he didn't like the change, because who of us does, he found himself being transformed. That's the reality of God's love for us, God's grace. And that is that even though we are not just capable, we are sinful, bad as we are. God loves us so much and that he gives his grace. It's by grace that we're saved, not by indulgences, not by putting money in the plate, none of that stuff, not even by working hard, doing things. All right, okay, I, I'm, I'm, God, I'm, I'm not going to swear anymore. I'm not going to do those things that I used to do that I, I've got to be a better person. That's all good. But it doesn't get us there. You realize the law that was given at Sinai was never intended to save us. It was that which made us aware of our need for grace. And so the, the simple assertion is it's by grace alone through faith. Simply believing that God loves us as we are. So we've got these great hymns, Amazing Grace and, and Just As I Am, so many others that constitute an awareness both of our need as well as, as of the love of God. So we are saved by grace through
through faith, not by works, lest anyone should boast, the apostle says. And even there, we like to think that God might need a little bit of help along the way. And that is to say that God's grace is all, yeah, that's, that's all good, but we have to do thus and so. So it's God's grace plus a little bit of our help. It's by grace alone. And then the good works for which God made us, the good works for which God made us constitute our response to his love. So we don't do good things for no reason. We're not good for nothing. We're good because God loves us so much. And what greater impetus to do the right thing than being loved. Than being loved. I don't know what it was that I did. But I, I know I did something. And mom got mad at me. And I know I had it coming. I always did. And um, in response, so I love mom so much, and I knew of her love for me. In response, I got on my bike and I rode up to Brewster's Pharmacy. And I bought her a little clock for the wall. A little plastic clock, something like we can get at Ikea for two bucks. And I brought it home. I didn't tell her. I just put it up over the kitchen sink, over the window, up on that portion of the wall. Mom came in. She didn't see it, and then suddenly she saw it. And she said, where'd that come from? And I didn't say anything. But she came over and gave me a great big hug and kiss. Just to be loved. We do things. Because God loves us so much. And in that instance, I, through my mom, felt, experienced the love of God. And the joy of doing something right. When at 11 years old, it's so easy to do something very wrong. So God, in his love for us, motivates us, empowers us to do the right thing. To be a people that, that tries, to, tries to do those things. Not for the sake of earning our salvation, but simply because we're loved. We're loved by God. And the alternative to that love is not pleasant. The alternative is to live in a place of bitterness and hardship and difficulty, that inner longing gnawing at the, our insides until we begin to waste away. Instead, the Lord our God begins to melt us and make us new. Will you bow with me in prayer? And so, Father, it is by your grace, it is by your love, there's nothing that we have done or could do or might do 
that warrants your acceptance. And thank you, O Lord, that that is the truth that is extended to all flesh. And may we as your children carry that good news wherever we are. We ask this in the name of the one who gave his life for us, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.